Citizens of Natstown is brought to you by the Ballpark Bus, with departure stations at Clydes and Ashburn, Glory Days in Reston and Herndon, the Green Turtle in Ballston, Sterling, and Dulles, and Velocity 5 in Centerville. When you don't want to drive to the ballpark, leave the driving to us. Take the Ballpark Bus. Visit www.ballparkbus.com for more information or on Twitter at, at @ballparkbus. And hello, Natstown. <clears throat> All right, now, hello, Natstown. Apparently, my mute didn't come off when I wanted it to. Sweet. Um, <laughs> all right, we're, uh, we're live here at TJ Landmark. We've got uh, David Hazard, Matthew Zavila, and Sean Hogan. All right, well, uh, let's let's jump right in. The, the first order of business is the fact that uh, Jimmy Wong went down. Uh, everything I'm reading is uh, it's either a hamstring injury or he's never coming back. Um, we can't really decide which one that is. Uh, well, you know, I thought it's really weird to me that every time he gets hurt, it's running. Yeah. He just he, running. He yeah, the first time he got hurt, running he got hurt. No, he got hurt stepping on home plate. <laughs> that's right. I mean, yeah. you know, that's just got to be the worst injury in baseball. Probably. Well, you know, the the, the Morales injury, the Kendry's Morales, is probably worse. You know. Mm-hmm hitting a grand slam walk off and then breaking your ankle when you <laughs> step on home play. But long teammates. <laughs> yes, Long got hurt stepping on home plate as well, which is pretty bad. And then today he got hurt on that ever tricky tagging first base play by a pitcher. Hmm. I think it's a a testament to the fact that well, I don't know, maybe not a testament. I think it sucks, all right. But the uh, the thing about it is, like, I don't know, I was looking forward to seeing him this year. I still am looking forward to seeing him this year. Talking about him like, you know, we know he's hurt or something. We don't necessarily know that he's hurt. But, um, I don't know, I think uh, it would be a, it'd be a big letdown if he did get hurt again because, you know, we had him on for a while. And then, you know, he comes back and he's not bad. He had pretty good outings with us last year. And it was, uh, it was fun to watch. Hate to say it's a blessing in disguise, but, you know, with the numbers game going on right now, considering Strasburg isn't going to be able to go all year, you know, it wouldn't hurt to necessarily be able to hold on to Lannon or, or Detweil or something like that. So if he starts the year on the DL, you know, somebody else goes down, you just never know. You can never have enough pitchers. Right. I mean, you know, you hear people say it all the time, you can never have enough starting pitching. It's just, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's probably good that they still have Lannon, but I don't think it rules out a Lannon trade. Uh, but you yeah, also yeah. have Detweiler. Right. And people are worried about the depth without having uh, Malone or Peacock there. But we're talking about a fifth starter. Yeah. If worst, if worst comes to worst, you write down uh, the player to be named later, mm. send the IOU to some other team, and they send you back Wandy Rodriguez or something like that. <laughs> Well, you put in Gore's money. Oh, wait, that's really worst case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, right, I, right. I do have to say, um, in this scenario, I mean, even if Wong is down for, you know, a couple of weeks, uh, you know, the 
you know, past opening day. Um, I really, I don't see Lannon staying around. You put Detweiler in the fifth. I mean, obviously, worst case scenario, you put you Land or uh, excuse me, Gorzolani. I think the worst case would be. Man. I think the worst case would be Maya would be on the team. Yes, no, I okay, agree that's with fair that. Enough. That, but, is, that I mean, would definitely be worst. The, case. the thing is, Lannon Lannon's been with the Nationals for a while. He's he hasn't been a number one starter. He never will be. But he's been decent <clears throat> for us. But I think this is nostalgia based. Everybody's like, no, no, oh, he's it, been our guy. We, you know, right, we got to no, do right I, by I, him. And I'm not even I'm not even talking about him like that either. You know, I I hear what you're saying. And there are people who feel that way. I think there's very few of them that feel that way, in all honesty. But I think it's uh, I mean, really, what happened is the Nationals actually have a good pitching staff now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's weird that it it really just morphed in the offseason. Not that, you know, you didn't think Jordan Zimmerman, Steven Strasburg or question mark was going to be good, but then we got Gio Gonzalez, Edwin Jackson. We've had Detweiler. He's well, and I think the fans need to need to really notice, I mean, we talked about this just a few minutes ago before we came on the air, was that Jackson fell into our laps. That was yeah. not planned on, and even when we signed Wong well before we traded for Gio or anything like that, it was, they weren't entirely sure what we were going to have going into next year, and Wong was looking like as, you know, number three, number four, you right. kind of flop him with Lennon, and suddenly, suddenly he's, he's definitely the five. The five. Yeah. No, and that's, that's <clears throat> again, that's a good problem to have. You know, you got a lot of guys who are gunning for your fifth starter spot who are fifth starters. I mean, there was, you know, if you think about it, you got Steven Strasburg, Gio Gonzalez, and Jordan Zimmerman. That's the order people are saying you're going to see these guys in because you get a righty, a lefty, a righty. You're you're talking about three number one starters as your, you know, second and third, and you got fourth guy in Edwin Jackson, who I mean, he's at least a number two, you know. No. You don't he, think so? He's probably a three, he's or a three. Four. three. All right. Yeah. But I mean, still having a three as a number four is a problem. Yeah. We've had threes as number one since since 2005. I don't think he's saying well. Like that. I, yeah, I think we've had a number five for a while. I don't even think that. I mean. I think, you know, Dallas Perez was more like a number seven, eight. <laughs> Shouldn't be in America. He's number four in, uh, in AAA. Kind of yeah. <laughs> Tim Redding, I mean, yeah. Oh, don't even get me started there. Well, all right. So we're kind of settled there. I mean, it's nice to have Landon. He'll, he'll probably be moved on at some point. Uh, I, I would assume sooner than later. Uh, let's move on to uh, first cuts happen this week. Mm. <clears throat> Not anybody we were really surprised about. Mostly uh, the draftees or the guys. Well, you weren't that... surprised that a Xavier Fall was cut? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. He was going to be the, the hero to lead the team. I don't think so. No. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with David. I don't know why. Maybe it's his amazing, what was it, like 209 batting average? He was going to be the next. Three on-base percentage. He was going to be the next Jose Batista. Small. Oh, okay. <laughs> Am I the yeah, only yeah. one on that there island? Was, there was like a 200 slugging percentage. <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, Ryan for a turnaround. I, I think, actually, I think I have it written down somewhere. Hold on. I'm going to. We don't need to talk about him anymore. I was yeah. just kidding. Okay. So uh, I'm just curious, though. Go ahead. So, I mean, the main people that were gone were uh, the draftees from last year, Perk, um, there was, there was Rendon. 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 There we go. Sorry, blanked on it. Um, <clears throat> and then the guys who had call-ups last year, for the, for the most part, I mean, Corey Brown and 
I, I, I somebody asked me where do you see Anthony Rendon? I said A ball. Yeah. <laughs> two days later, he was sent to A ball. Yeah. Yeah. I felt I felt pretty good about that call. Now I am glad that they they did send them to Potomac. They didn't send right. them down to the Sally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they got Potomac in order last year with the field. Yeah, you sort of – after not <laughs> yeah, trading Harper there, you sort of have to throw him the bone at yeah. some point. Well, they, they made Harper skip high yeah. A altogether because it was, quite frankly, a crap. Well, hole. yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're throwing them a bone, but neither Perk nor Rendon will see the outfield. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's true. That's where it was. They do got uh, uh, Godwin in the day. Oh, really? Yeah. Did he? Mm-hmm. Yes. That, it, I was a little surprised when they optioned Perez to A-ball as well because – now they have two center fielders. I thought they signed a double line. Maybe I missed it. It said A today. Perez, yeah, he went to A. Okay. I was a little surprised at that, especially with how well he was hitting the ball. Yeah. Um, but uh, he seems like a guy – I mean, he's not going to move from A to MLB quick, but right. he could move a little faster through the system if his bat keeps up like well, it Yeah, does. I was definitely thinking the same thing. You can see him moving up quickly and, you know – Let's admit it, yesterday watching, I don't know if you guys saw that, when he gunned that baseball in from right field, that was that was yeah, pretty. He had a better arm <laughs> than I thought. Yeah. No, I, I was like, wait, he has an arm? What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, remember I, seeing that in, in, in uh, Potomac this year. This I really year. did think that he was just more of a speed guy yeah. and made up for you know any mistakes in the outfield by speed. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, there was a couple times I went to Potomac this year, you could see him, he looked like he was playing hard in the outfield, but, you know, it didn't really... I don't know. I, I didn't notice anything, nothing that stuck out. But How many chances do you see now that really get to show off their arm? That's, yeah. that's my point. Yesterday, he he, shoot, he showed off his arm like that. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he was out by a good bit, too. So, nobody really surprising? Nobody? I wouldn't really say I was surprised by any of the cuts that were made. Uh, maybe not thrilled about like for example Corey Brown yeah. I would like to have get, got gotten a little bit longer look at him just for the sake of you know getting to look at him because I haven't actually seen him in a game every time it's been on TV I've missed it I've heard of him on the radio and looking at his stats and reading about him learning a little bit about him I'm interested you know good on base percentage got a little bit of pop well while we're on him Sean mm-hmm. uh what what are your thoughts on Corey Brown? Well, I was telling the guys earlier, I sort of see him, you know, if all things break right as a, uh, as a almost a Jason Worth type, eventually, you know, late bloomer, you know, batting average isn't going to be 300. You know, he'll probably hit somewhere between 240 and 270 every year, but a lot of walks, you know, some, some pretty good power and plays solid, if not better defense. Mm-hmm. And especially with the left-handed bat, that's something that doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of his poor performance last year is definitely injury based, but mm-hmm. also, you know, going from double A to triple A with an injury, going for a new team. There's just so many factors that you know don't want to make excuses for him. But right, yeah. And I mean, that's I think the one thing that's hampered him the most are injuries. Now, what were <clears throat> I know he had the the staff infection, which has uh, that's just a bad luck kind of thing. What what were the other issues that he had as uh, injury? Broke his ankle. Didn't yeah, he? yeah. Broke his ankle sliding into home. Okay. I think it was something like that. And then I know he has, from what I've read, he has a tendency to go for the spectacular play as far as he has reckless reckless disregard for his own well-being. Uh, I was reading something about him trying to catch a ball that 
Strasburg actually pitched in the Arizona Fall League a couple years back, and he uh, he made a, a dazzling catch that uh, sent him to the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, he's not like a Nick Johnson injury risk. I mean, you still right. have to keep an eye on him, but it's not – I'd say he's a moderate injury risk for the future. A lot of what's happened to him has been sort of freak injuries. Yeah. Of course, Nick Johnson had a lot of freak injuries, but he had a lot of Sounds, injuries. Uh, Outfield-wise, I mean, different side, but injury-wise, sounds a little like Bernardino. Cracked his ankle sliding into the wall. Oh, okay, but that that was that when he broke his ankle, yeah. that was ungodly awful luck. Yeah. He got yeah. his foot yeah. cut, caught under the wall. He fell over. Oh, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I watched that replay a couple times, and each time I watched it, it made my skin crawl. Well, now that cuts have been made, we can the roster's trimmed down to 41, I think, today. So we're starting to get a better picture of who's in the plans the team and you know so let's look at the the aspects of the game here uh so matt who you got for your starting lineup opening day my starting lineup yeah. um well ian desmond will probably lead off who hits number two i don't know well, well let's do it this way by let's position go, yeah position, position. By position pitcher opening day it's probably gonna be steven strasberg uh <clears throat> uh Starting catcher is obviously going to be Ramos. I mean, if unless Ramos is hurt, then it'll be Flores. Uh, first baseman is going to be LaRoche. I feel like that's a no-brainer. Um, let's see. I mean, obviously, you got, you're got you going to have Espinosa at second base. You're going to have Zim at third base. You're going to have Ian Desmond at shortstop. Um, you'll have in left field, I think you'll have – I honestly think you might see Roger Bernardina. Um Jason Worth will be in right field, and I think he'll have Ankeel in center. Yeah, Morris not. Alive. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot about Michael Morris. How did I do that? <laughs> Why did I forget about Michael Morris? Yes, Michael Morris in left field. I was thinking about it too much. Yes, you, <laughs> you probably were. Uh, yeah, I agree with your your starting lineup there. Uh, I think that's probably right. So, what about? Let's move on to the starting pitchers. The starting five. Starting five, um, I'm def. I mean, it'll be Steven Strasburg, Jordan Zimmerman, Gio Gonzalez, uh, Edwin Jackson, and if Wong's healthy, I think he'll be our five guy. If he's not, I think it'll be John Lannon. But if uh, if Wong is healthy, I really think they exercise John Lannon's option, even though they've said time and again that he's a major league pitcher. And yes, he is. But I mean, he's also capable of being a minor league pitcher, <laughs> which, which is, which is, I mean, you know, I'm just going to be mean here and make this little joke, which is still a question after his performance today, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> All right. Uh, your two long men, my two long relievers. I like Craig Stammen and, uh, Ross Detweiler. Obviously you're going to have, uh, Drew Storm closing out the games. I mean, that's just, I mean, there's no question about it at this point. You, you know what I'm really happy about? No one has even talked about an eight-man bullpen at all. <laughs> it, it, it's settled on a seven-man bullpen. You know, you're going to have, you know, it's probably set already. If, well, it, it, go ahead. You have Storen, Clifford, Lidge, Rodriguez. Matthews. M- Matthews. You think Matthews? Stammen. I think, I think Matthews. Wait, Lila. Burnett. Yeah, Burnett. Burnett. Oh, yeah. I don't think Matthews makes it. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think he does. he's still got options left. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. gonna be. 
don't know. I, I uh, like him, but I don't, I don't uh, think it's, he It's not really – it's not just that I like him either. It's just – it's more of uh, – I think he, uh, I think he displayed last year enough to at least make the team. I mean, you know, and it's all about this year. I know. I mean, if he has an option, you got, you got so many guys. This is a good problem to have. It is a good problem to have. I mean, we've said that a couple times already, which is nice. I mean, really, <laughs> when when we brought in Lidge, he he took Matthews' spot. Yeah. That's what it was. Matthews isn't so? Matthews isn't a long guy. He's a you know one to at tops two inning reliever out of the bullpen. And that's it. He's not going to be the guy that comes in if somebody gets shelled and we need him to go. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I was thinking of Lidge as more of a uh, – um, Lidge is the seventh-inning guy. Yeah. yeah. Seventh-inning guy against left-handed pitching – or right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. He'll be your Rugi. <laughs> and then you, you got your Lugi and uh, Burnett. You think he's just going to be a Lugi? I think that's how you need to use him. <laughs> <laughs> And time and time again, you can't. can't really well, I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, there's no, there's no two ways about it. That's true. Is <laughs> that bad? He's Lefty one out guy <laughs> against Martin Prado last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that game. Jordan Zimmerman started it, gave up that grand slam, and suddenly Jordan Zimmerman had a no decision. I was pissed. Yes, that that was a bad <laughs> one. Now I think the only real debate on national, aside from maybe Stammen or Matthews in okay. the bullpen, which. You know, it's not much of a debate. Uh, right. <laughs> is is the bench. Because you're obviously you're gonna have to have a backup catcher, which which unless Flores is part of a trade for a center fielder, he'll or be in. Gets hurt. Yeah. He's had a few problems. Well we've got but three problems given. We yeah. we can all agree on obviously the rotation aside injuries aside. The rotation the, five is there. the easiest. The <laughs> the bullpen even. I mean Matthew Stammen I, I mean, I, I think I mean, if anything has, that's... you know, earned his spot on the team in spades. Uh, and there's just not any space after that. You got Lidge, Rodriguez, Clifford, Storin. There, there's no room. Um, and Burnett, obviously. But uh, so the the real questions are the the five bench spots, and then who you have for center field slash right field. If it's worth in center and somebody else in like Ankeel and Wright or vice versa. Mm. I mean, it's, there's one outfield spot and five and, uh, five bench, five spots. bench spots. Four so, bench spots. One special catch. Yeah. Okay. True. Four bench spots. Cause Flores is, is definitely there. Um, so let's just, let's go around. Uh, Sean, who do you have your, for, uh, your four bench and then the one wild card outfield? Um, well, as it stands right now, I'd see DeRosa and Lombardozzi as the two, infield bench spots. I could see Blanco making the team maybe at the expense of Lombardozzi or maybe even at the expense of another outfielder because I know that Lombardozzi could theoretically play outfield, not not the optimum solution. Right. And DeRosa could play also. But I got those guys. In the outfield, I have uh, Bernardina, Ankiel, and Carroll all making the team and platooning. I I don't know how I feel about Carroll, but I feel like the, the brass is going to go with him. He's a righty. He's He's a good enough enough option for now until they can get some sort of replacement. But I think that we'll see a lot of, you know, a lot of Ankiel in center. Bernardino will spell him a little bit, but I think we're mostly going to see Ankiel in center worth and right versus lefties. I guess we'll see, you know, a little bit of uh, Carroll in center, but not the best solution. But I think that's what they're going to go with. Now I've I've got the same list here um, to a T. I think I think Bernardino actually starts opening day and. 
in a center or corner or however we want to flip these guys around. He, he's going to be on the, the opening day. Um, who, I mean, the, the, the big question that everybody's curious about is Harper. And it seems like, you know, one of these guys is just going to be a warm body for the at minimum 21 days that we need him to be in the minors. Who's the warm body? Ankeel. Ankeel. But yeah. it's not really Ankeel. If you think if Ankeel will go to the bench. Yeah. So it will be, probably be a guy like Brett Carroll. Because, you know, I think, you know, it's Brett Carroll's going to make the team. I think Chad Tracy's probably going to make the team, too. Because they I'm like that, that, you know, hairy-chested guy off the <laughs> bench. And just I just don't like Chad Tracy. It's illogical. <laughs> I just, it's one of those things where I just look at him, and I just don't like the way he looks. Okay. I, I have equal feelings about some players throughout the league for the same reason. No good ones. <laughs> um, well, I, I definitely agree on Chad Tracy. Um, I like Steve Bombardozzi. Um, I think he makes it. Um, I think Jason Michaels will make it on the bench. Uh, Mark Tian, I think he can make it. Um, those are those are guys I think are on the bench as far as I mean, because you know I picked those guys because Davey said time and again that he wants some good bats, you know, off the bench, yeah. and we got them as uh, non-roster invitees. I mean, obviously you're gonna have DeRosa there as a backup first baseman. So. Uh, who exactly is, I mean, uh, out of those, DeRosa's your number one backup first baseman? I think Morris would be your backup first baseman. Yeah, well, I think Morris, yeah, Morris would I mean, be there first, but well, wouldn't, wouldn't Tian grab that spot before even DeRosa? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. isn't DeRosa, he's actually on the roster. He was signed. He's not a... Yeah, but DeRosa's anywhere. He can play everywhere but catcher. Oh, okay. He probably would if you asked him to. <laughs> he's that type of player. I yeah, like that Probably the next Rex Hurdler. <laughs> But, you know, they have all these bench spots, and uh, I forgot completely what I was going to say. Matt, to you. What, what, what? <laughs> you lost uh, a train of thought, so you're throwing you under it. Okay. Oh, wait, 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 wait. wait. Hello, Fox. Now, now we're here. Hello, Axel. Now, speaking of trains, you know, there's uh, Bryce Harper called C.C. Sabathia a big train when he's on the bump. It's an interesting quote. He had a lot of <laughs> interesting quotes in his uh, GQ article. Hmm. Did either of you get a chance to read that? I got some snippets, but no, uh, I didn't read, read the whole it's thing. It's much better when it's put in context because of what Harper was actually doing when the interview was done. Harper was in the middle of oh, taking yeah. uh, batting practice against the guy who'd never thrown it to him before, and the guy actually hit Harper in the hand in the process of the interview. <laughs> so yeah, Harper yeah. was a little mad when the, the interview the, was going on. The first word of the article gives away that he wasn't happy when it started. Yeah. And I don't really understand why you would do an article based off such a thing. It was entertaining. It I mean, was entertaining. And it's who Harper is. I think people look at Harper and they, they're trying to – I don't know who they want him to be. You know, because – they want him to be somebody who pisses people off and makes other people like him, and that's exactly who he is. That's who yeah. he is. But who did it? Like the people that get mad at him and say, "Well, can't you control yourself? You got to grow up." Who do? Who do they want him to grow up into? Do they want him to just be they want Ryan be, Zimmerman? They want him to be Ken Griffey Jr. They want the elder <laughs> statesman, is what they want. They want him to be politically correct. They want him to be the role model that everybody can look up to, and 
That's just not who that, it is. That's Ryan Zimmerman. Ryan Zimmerman is the Willie Parker of the Nationals. You know, to use a We Are Family Pirates reference. But, you know, Ryan Zimmerman is the big papa of the team. Yep. And Harper is the immature, cocky kid. He's he's the Johnny Blaze of the Washington <laughs> Nationals. Now, he's going to run his motorcycle into a wall and sell his soul to get pure his dad's cancer. <laughs> I like it. He's actually a good guy. Now, let's pull some of these quotes. Um, How about I mean, the first word of the, the article? <laughs> we can't say that in a family-friendly show. Uh, no, we can't. Uh, it begins with an F. Yeah, as, I wonder as, what that word as is. As Kilgore started it, it, uh, it starts with F and ends with K. I think you guys can feel impressed. Um, so... Some of the some of the quotes that were pulled out um, on his uh, on his blowing the kiss to the pitcher, uh, it was an fu from the mouth. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Hearing the context of what else went down, I mean, if it was just he hit a home run, he was like, "Hey, screw you, buddy." Well, I'm just out of the blue. But with the the the, words that had been exchanged already between the two, and the pitcher also hit him with a pitch. So, uh, I mean, wouldn't you be a bit miffed? Because uh, he went inside on him again. He ducked out of the way, or I know he just barely grazed him, something like uh, that. But, he, I mean, of course, you, he hit the home run. That's how you get back at a guy. It's not like he charged the mound. Sure. So there are people who would have charged the mound, okay? But he's the immature one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give away any spoilers for what we got coming up later with Chad Cordero. But he talked about a player that Bryce Harper actually reminds me of, Frank Robinson. Mm-hmm. If you threw it Frank Robinson, he was going to dig in harder in the box, stand closer to the plate, and dare you to come in again because the next time you came inside, he was going to turn on it and take it out. And that's what Harper does. Harper has that old-school attitude of, if you're going to knock me at, down, I'm going to give you a reason to. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, If you're going to find me, I'm going to get my money's worth type of attitude. Mm-hmm. He says his favorite player is Pete Rose. He wants to run into people. He wants to break up the double plays. He wants to play – the game, the way it used to be played, and there's apparently something wrong with that. Well, what I like when I read the article, he he brought up football. He's like, I like football. He's like, the, the game starts and you run after a guy and you hit him, you knock him down. He's like, that's how I want to play baseball. I mean, you got to have at least a couple of guys on your team who want to play like that. You got to have some grit, you know. And in the article, they referred to him as Lenny Dijkstra before the bankruptcy. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was pretty good. I, I kind of like this one even better. Um, he's described in the same article uh, as exactly what baseball needs. First off, I agree with those words mm-hmm. 100%. Where we've gone to vanilla uh, as, a, as a whole. I'm not saying we need to go and bring in fights or anything, but right. we need someone to, to spice up what's going on. And then uh, it, it goes on to say he's essentially a throwback, a cockery, or, uh, excuse me, a cocky ornery cuss who can back it all up. Ty Cobb minus the racism and the chalk. <laughs> I am 100% behind this. Yeah, we, we look at all these players, starting way back even before Ty Cobb with John McGraw. You know, you always had these guys that, that were rough and tumble guys. You know, you have John McGraw, Ty Cobb, Pete Rose, Lenny Dykstra, and they were all bad guys. But that's what sports needs. Sports need a bad guy, and people cheer for the bad guy. People cheer for Tony Montagna. People cheer for Darth Vader. People you know? cheer for uh, LeBron James. Uh, <laughs> the people in I Miami know. do. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, LeBron is a different type of bad guy. He's not the cool bad guy. Yeah, he's a 
arrogant, self-centered bad guy. <laughs> but a lot of people will try to paint Bryce in the same picture. Which I, I, I don't. You know, you know why they did that? They did that because he, because uh, Boris is his his agent, and he waited till the last minute. It's because which it's everybody it's, does. It's, yeah, it's, it's, everybody, every Boris client does. That's for sure. It's just people are uncreative, and SI put on their cover baseballs LeBron. Yeah. I think that it's just some headline writer just came up with it. It's nothing he's done. Wasn't that before LeBron went to... Yeah, it was before. (laughs) So I think it was more of a compliment at the time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that 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 definitely sticks and you get that thought. I also... What people also need to realize is, aside from everything that, I mean, that he's obviously going for and he's working for and that kind of stuff, some of this is a personality that he not... That he isn't necessarily in, you know, quote unquote, real life. I mean, we talked about it two weeks ago that the guy bought his mom a house. I mean, he he obviously has some sort of a soul. Um, and I mean, it, I don't know. Somebody finished my sentence there. <laughs> I, I think I, he's painted in a bad light just because somebody wants to do it. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, if, if you're a team that has, uh, has the possibility to be good, you got a lot of young guys who might uh, turn things around for you. And, you know, the Nationals in particular are a team that have never been good. You know, they've been okay at times. Uh, we've had flashes of brilliance, but we've never been good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I used to joke around about Craig Salmon. You know, he, he, as a starter, had his flashes of brilliance, and the next one was crap. Yeah. I remember very well a game he pitched against the Phillies where he pitched seven innings, gave up one run, and it was awesome. The next game he pitched in Arizona was a heart attack. And quite frankly, it's funny to me because that's the Nationals in a nutshell. Well, the point I was trying to get to is that people see, you know, consistency out of the Nationals now. People see Strasburg, uh, Bryce Harper, good drafts, Rendon, Perk, you know, good prospects coming up. They, They see a team that's changing and they don't know what to think. And the first thing they think of is, oh, they're taking the easy route. I don't really see how it's the easy route myself. But You had to lose 100 games. Yeah. Two years in a row. yeah. yeah. I mean, you had we, to go through the, the whole Bowden thing, the casting and his plan to never spend money, and then you yeah. finally get rid of him. And then there's a revisionist history that, oh, yeah, Kasten wanted to spend money. The learners just wouldn't let him. And, and, and that's why Mike Rizzo is having so much more trouble with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I mean, you know, and – I just want to, you know, to finish my thought, it's like I, I'm about 98% sure we threw 08 and 09 completely just to get those first-round picks. <laughs> well, uh, to, to bring this back to Harper a little bit, we uh, we had a little bit of controversy. I actually think it was just after last week's show aired, a, uh, a certain D.C. radio host. Mm. That works for the flagship station uh, of the Washington Nationals. Had, uh, had a few choice comments on a Philly station, no less. And I, I don't think this is the first time he's used uh, the word douche to describe Harper. Now, I have a problem with this. Here's my main issue. People are always ragging on, you know, and they're rightfully ragging on people like Hulk Harrelson and Michael Kay for being homers. And, and that, that's you're not supposed to be biased at all, all right? But it's just as bad to be a detractor as it is to be a homer. Mm -hmm. If you're going to work for the flagship station of the Washington Nationals and you're going to report on the Washington Nationals. And do a poor job at it. You have to be unbiased. (laughs) 
You can't have any sort of bias. Well, okay, I uh, I decided a little while ago that I was going to start listening to 106.7 because I you know wanted to give them another fair shot at possibly winning me over. And on my ride home today is when I was just finally like, you know what? No. <laughs> because I've listened to them enough at this point. They, I mean, given, uh, they do talk baseball. They do. But it's a very poor quality thing they talk about. They don't really know a lot of anything. And then... I think there's a, here's the major problem with, with 106.7 The Fan. They went, they flipped from a shock jock station to sports, and they mainly kept the staff intact. They added they, the, the the junkies went just they added sports in front of the name, and they became the sports junkies. And they I didn't add anyone that was an expert in any sport. They're just a bunch of guys talking sports, and that's not what you look for on a sports talk radio station. Then the the mid morning show was just a just pre recorded from somewhere else. I think it was Bill O'Reilly or something. And then they, 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 so they brought in their own people. And they originally, it was a good setup where they had Bill Roland and, and Mike Wise because Roland was the straight guy and Wise was kind of the goofy guy. And then they changed it to Holden Kushner. So you had two goofy guys and no straight guy. And Holden Kushner's good when he's with a guy like Jim Duquette on MLB Radio because Jim Duquette keeps him in line and is the straight guy. But you put two, you know, if, if instead of having Abbott and Costello, you had Abbott and Abbott, it's not as funny. Yeah. You know, and then they had they brought in LeVar Arrington, who's fine as an ex jock to talk about the sport. Yeah. But then they paired him with Chad Duke. Yeah. After firing his best friend and taking away the show he'd worked on his entire life, and he wasn't happy. He's probably still not happy to be in that role. So fire him. We're happy to see him go. <laughs> there's a there's a guy he's been on a few times. I mean he's he's very baseball biased and that's okay with me to a degree. I mean uh, my 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 huge complaint with particularly the sports junkies is they're not sports junkies so much as they're just they yak all morning and it, they it, need a guy uh, like Mel Antonin. Just you know hire Mel Antonin and put him in. If, if it was Lavar Arrington and Mel Antonin, that'd be a good show. Holden Kushner and Mel Antonin. That's a good show. If you even added him into the sports junkies, you'd probably well, you'd probably have the sports junkies make, making fun of him for an hour and a half, which wouldn't be a good show. But if you could, you know, just you had got to have that sports guy that really knows his stuff. It's kind of like the nerd and ex ex jock type of factor. That's what you need, and to have a good show. Robert Fick. Yeah. <laughs> One day he'll be quite a color commentator. Yeah, that he will. <laughs> not, not a great baseball player. <clears throat> I mean, I know I know what you're talking about about Dukes. I mean, I I don't listen to a whole lot of sports talk radio. Unfortunately, I don't really get to listen to a lot of radio yeah, at all. I agree with you. But um, I mean, you know, to be honest, you've he's already succeeded in his job. I mean, even though they did switch sort of away from the shock jack format, what does he want you to do? He wants you to talk about him. He wants you know. You you keep on going back for more because you're just like, I just can't stand this guy. But, Finding reasons. Yeah, but you know when he says something stupid on the radio and you're listening, you keep listening because you want to hear somebody you know tell him off or somebody call in or whatever. But you keep listening. I, I mean that's the key for them is you know unless you know unless people stop listening, you know there's not really any reason for them to change. I guess. Uh, I, I just I. I'm I'm a I mean I'm not a huge football fan. I'm gonna I just wanna you know I, I'm okay with football, but I'm not a huge fan. 
my only major complaint is that that's all I hear them talk about on 106.7. Hey, football's easy to talk about. It's just an easier sport than baseball or hockey or basketball. I mean, there's a lot going on in basketball. You don't even realize how much goes on. Well, I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, you watch rugby ball. Anyway, continue. I I feel like you can talk a lot about any sport. I mean, you you read every single day four or five different articles on one spring training game. I mean, you know, they talk about free agents in football for eight hours a day on 106.7, you know. I mean, you know, and I do like it when they talk about other stuff like, you know, the Caps or the Wizards. I think that's nice, I, you know, because I don't particularly follow the Wizards very closely. It's nice to know what's going on. But anyway. I mean, it's just, it's kind of, it, imagine just not even in a big baseball town like New York or Boston, because you never get away. But New York Yankees, person that worked for the station that carries them, went to a Boston radio station and said something like that, they would be fired the next day. Yeah. But just an average baseball like if someone from Milwaukee went on Chicago radio and said that the Brewers have 15 fans, no one cares that Prince Fielder is gone, no one cares about Ryan Braun, and that you know that um, that Casey McGee is a douche, they, they want to you know. Let's not put Bryce Harper on the same level as Casey McGee. I think a lot of it has to do with the with the fact that really the Redskins have been here for so long. Um, the Wizards have. The Capitals have been here since 74. I mean, the Nationals have been here since 2005. And I, before that, 73, was it, that the, the Senators left? It's sometime, sometime around but, there. I find it very interesting that where I live in Western Fairfax, I go and I see a lot of Nationals here on people. Hmm. It's probably the set. I probably see more Nationals here on people than I do even Redskins. I see a. I've seen a lot more Nationals gear, like yeah. a lot. And and you know, in my day job as a realtor, when I go into people's houses, you know, I see Nationals hats hanging and stuff, and you know, I take notice of that thing as I'm. A Nationals fan. Well, to kind of kind of tie this back in, I mean, uh, the the comments were a little unwarranted, and I I I really kind of hope that somebody well, does something about it. Well, not only that, what I hope more is I hope Duke stays on the air. Harper comes up, and they go, you know, he goes and he goes on a hot streak, and they're like, "Hey, Bryce, we want to get you on the show," and he <laughs> says, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> I'll go over to uh, you know 980 and give my uh, my piece, and uh, you guys can uh, f off. That'd be great. That'd I mean, that's, great. That's, <laughs> that's I mean that'd be the ultimate that's, f you. That's the guy. That'd be him blowing the kids. Yeah, that, that'd be him blowing the kids. He's the one to do it. But um, <laughs> let's see. We are uh, wow, we're running on uh, 40 minutes already. We <laughs> are. We have uh, talked about Bryce Harper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A little early this time. Yeah. We are uh, we are going to take a quick break. Citizens of Natstown, we'll be right back. This break in the action is brought to you by Supernova Realty. If you want a house, townhouse, condo, or apartment to match your Natstown state of mind, then visit www.supernovarealty.com. All right, and we're back. Uh, we're going to start with uh, some prospect 
talk now. Uh, if you want to go ahead and call in, get your questions answered live, the number is 347-205-9638. All right, so uh, Dave, you just kicked off. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of talk was made about where the Nationals fell after the Gio Gonzalez trade. People saw, well, they're ranked number one. And it, but that was before the Gio Gonzalez trade. And a lot of people thought that dropped the Nationals farm system into the bottom third of baseball, which I don't think that that one trade and those four prospects really did. Did you say a lot of people thought that? Some people. Uh, some people. <laughs> Keith Law thought that. Keith Let's Law be honest. <laughs> okay. But Matt he, has an undying hatred for Keith Law. I wouldn't Law. say it's undying. It was unnecessarily kindled at one point. And now it's undying. Come yeah, on, just be honest. <laughs> As well, so you know, where does that actually put them? You know, that, those four guys. The, you know, Peacock and Malone. This time last year, weren't Peacock and Malone? Yeah. Well, I mean, what's funny is, uh, so Derek Norris, he's been in Double uh, A for a long time. Uh, I really know. I don't remember. Did he ever even sniff Triple A? No, he had no, a rather no, disappointing yeah, year had, last year. Yeah, and uh, he struggled to hit 200. And, and he also was he injured the year before that. Like, or an on-base percentage of it was absurd. He walks all the time. Yeah, yeah. But I think you know you can walk too much because guys at Double A are kind of struggling to throw strikes. So you got to right. kind of swing at what they throw you if you want to learn how to hit. Right. And so he's just not swinging at. It's like if you go to a a batting cage and you spend your money and then all you get is balls. Right. It's no fun if you just stand there. And that's sort of what Derek Norris was doing. He was just standing there with guys that couldn't <laughs> hit the strike zone. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you have to draw walks. I mean, drawing walks is a good thing. You want a high on-base percentage, but you do got to hit. And Derek Norris had a home run swing, and it was pretty when he hit one. Right, but if he moved up to AAA, where guys are a little better at hitting the strike zone, could they have exploited him? And we don't know that. Right. And at the majors, where guys... If if you're not gonna swing, they're you're, just gonna yeah. You're, 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 yeah. Roy Halladay is not gonna walk you. I mean that's not gonna happen. Especially if you're a you know, 23 year old catcher that yeah 220 and right. I mean uh, so he was part of that trade. I'm not saying he couldn't have been something good, but you know it you can't put too much weight on one aspect of you know this trade you know and. What was it? A.J. Cole? That was his name, right? A.J. Cole. A.J. Cole. I mean, I just... He's well, a 19-year-old. Well, right. He's Anything 19, can happen. Yeah. He has hot... He, 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 he was in high A, right? Low A. Low A. Okay. He, uh... I mean, he, he hadn't really proven anything. I'm not saying he couldn't have, but he, he was in low A. I mean, a lot of guys are in low you A. You know who else struck out a lot of guys in low A? Who? Corey Van Allen. I'm I'm a big AJ Cole fan. I think he's got the stuff to be, you know, a number one or two starter. But still, like you guys are saying, you know, he's so far away. And at this point, you know, the Nat it was kind of a get off the pot time. Yeah. You know, they sort of had to, you know, if they're really going to make a major league push, they had to make a push. And that's why, you know, as a huge prospect, I, I love prospects. I, I guess I started to love prospects so much because the Nationals were so bad. I had to find something to root for. But, right, right. But, you know, I can I can be okay with a trade like that. I mean, yeah, they probably gave up, you know, a little a little more than anybody else would. But at the same time, they still have Harper. They still have Rendon. They still have Kirk. They still have so many top guys. They didn't lose any top, top, top prospects. It's okay, it's okay in my mind. 
Gonzalez, Robbie Ray. We got some guys yeah. still down there. That, I mean, Gonzalez you can look for it. Yeah, Gonzalez will be. Yeah. But they have other, oh, that's uh, right. I forgot about the Tommy John. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah. But they, they do have other guys, too, because, you know, we've been talking. Who could be this year's Malone, uh, Malone <laughs> or Peacock? And who do you think they could be? I, well, you know, the popular choice for who can be the Malone is Rosenbaum. Uh, great control, strikes out a lot of guys without super stuff. I mean, he's lefty, doesn't throw that hard. I mean, I don't see why he can't be that. And to be honest, I was never that big of a Malone fan in the first place. It's not, you know, it's not that I hate guys that put up good numbers and don't have good stuff, but I just never really got the feeling. Can I make a point? Yeah, go ahead. About Tommy Malone. Mm-hmm. We, have, we we see we have a caller. We'll we'll be right with you. Go ahead, Matt. The the <laughs> point I want to make about Tommy Malone, and I do like Tommy Malone, but you know why everybody likes him, don't you? Because he hit a home run, yeah. the first pitch he saw in <laughs> yeah. major leagues. That was pretty sweet. And that was amazing. I mean, that was cool. But let's face it, that's why everybody liked him. He didn't do anything spectacular after that happened. Not really, anyway. I mean, he did well. He pitched fine, but. He hit a home run. Everybody, everybody's tongues dropped out of their mouth. Said hubba hubba. And then he gave up four runs. Got a no decision. Yeah, he got a no decision in that yeah. game. A lot of people forget that fact because he only went through what the fourth, third yeah. inning. Yeah. All right. Go to our caller. Let's uh, let's see who we got on the line here. Hey, Welcome fellas, we here. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Uh, so the flagship. All right. I don't know if you're <laughs> caught in tweeting this. All afternoon, but um, even from a pure like radio station point of view, the Nats suck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, mean, I remember they signed their their contract. I actually have the games on one six seven. I turned on the radio during a game, and they were talking about football. Yeah, and the, <laughs> and the game today was supposed to be on. And, and yeah, they had problems with that. The game was on. The game was on uh, AM. And it was supposed to be on 1500, which is a pretty strong signal through most of the most of the listening area. But uh, 1500 failed so hard that uh, the the signal went to like all Max Headroom sometime in the fifth inning. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and when it goes Max Headroom like that, you go to 1580, which must be powered by a monkey. On and you know and and it just makes you i mean I remember in o five they were still on on a m then charlie charlie Sose was still on a m um on w t o p when they were still at the fifteen hundred a m uh broadcast and that was that was actually not bad, especially considering that there was like no nats on t v at all and back before Masson 2. Yeah. <laughs> right, that was, was, was before Mass it was before Masson 2. It was before they put any any nats on Masson at all. Yeah. Um I my my little brother still has a little fuck Angelos with a with a curly o's um t-shirt from that era. And um I mean I I don't know. I I have been dreaming about an a, an ideal golden age to come where the Nats are on air on broadcast on DC 50, you know, every night. Yeah. And the, no, the the one problem I had was that the fact that Angelos demanded the right, the broadcasting rights to the Nationals when the Nationals came to DC. That's just not right. 
Hey, Owen, wasn't that supposed to go to arbitration by now? So you know what they're <laughs> actually getting. Well, you, no, you know no, the, the 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 price is uh, the price, and I think the post did a did a I think either Kilgore um, or um, Phil Wood or somebody did a did a blog post about it earlier um, this year was that and the the Nats were going to start off with like a a ten percent stake or a five percent stake in Massive, and the the Nats were going to get. One percent more of the shares in Masson every year, and then that would cap right? at thirty percent. Yeah. yeah. Well, aren't they talking a new deal now? Yeah, they're talking they're about ta- a new no, monetary what, deal. They're talking. Uh, what they're talking about is what they're talking about is a way of sharing the uh, way of sharing the revenues, but mm-hmm. not any way of sharing the control. So as things stand now, the Nats control something like what is it, fifteen percent of Masson. Right. Any major, you know, decision, whether it's hiring or firing Debbie or, you know, or I mean, anything is. I mean, that's really one of the Yeah. I mean, let's, let's, let's be real. They didn't let's, fire Debbie. They just let her go away. No, no, no. Look, look, look. Well, okay, have you seen, have you Debbie, seen Amber, Amber, Amber Theo Harris? For yes, 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 yes. We need to just we need to talk about Amber Theo Harris <laughs> for a bit here because, oh you know, that was just the worst thing ever where, you know, you turn over and the Orioles have Amber, Amber Theo Harris. And the Nationals have Debbie Taylor. <laughs> that, that's really where you can tell how that they were biased. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Just keeping my mouth. So I mean, <laughs> you know, and 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 things are things are better even on the Masson front now. Uh, I think FP. I, I tweeted it last night. FP is actually a plus interviewer, as I scout him. Um, you know, Dibble and uh, Dibble was definitely a minus. the braves the braves guys i mean i think uh, i you know i'm probably going to put a nastradamus you know broadcaster scouting report sheet out there for you know people that i listen to now because you you have to think what are the tools of a good baseball broadcaster right there's you know the ability to keep talking the ability to know your stats right the ability to conduct a good interview you make a lot of good points, Weed. You know, I, I think we can uh, we can all agree that Debbie and Amber Theo Harris just isn't right, and <laughs> the, uh, the the Madison thing is is still screwed up. And uh, thanks for your call, buddy. All right, I'll see you guys later. Right. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. Well, that was a good call. We got to talk yeah. about Amber <laughs> Theo Harris. <laughs> yeah, it's always a good call when you get to talk about Amber Theo Harris. <laughs> yeah. 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 I do yeah. actually say, who's that other one that Orioles have? Their beat reporter for MLB.com, Brett. Uh, no, uh-huh. Brett Gural or whatever her name is. Have you seen her? She, yeah. she, she's good looking too. I don't know what it is with the Orioles and have attracting seen, good women. Have, have you seen the beat reporter for the Atlanta Braves? She was on last night. <laughs> oh, well, she's, she's their sideline reporter. I'm talking about the actually uh, the Bill Latson of the Orioles. Oh, hey, what are you gonna say about Bill Lett? Come on, man, he's a good-looking fella. We oh, had him on last week, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so to uh, to steer this train back, back onto the prospect, you know, prospect. back into these white women of are the tracks too. Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> so, uh, all right, the the guys that were just cut, um, not necessarily today, the guys uh, actual first cuts. Okay. Um, what a what do they have to do uh, performance-wise to see a, a September call-up? Rendon specifically, I mean, I, I think he 
as long as he has a solid year, moves up, you know, he doesn't have to do anything spectacular. He'll see a September call-up, but he's not going to be a permanent part of the team unless they they make a decision whether he can play, you know, if he can play second or if they want to put him at first when LaRoche, his contract goes up and they don't want to move Morse back or whatever. I mean, they have a lot of roster decisions they have to make for Rendon to be lasting, but I think they'd call him up and stick him on the bench unless uh, – at that, at that point, Harrisburg or Syracuse would be on the uh, in the playoffs. Now, one quick question about Rendon. We actually had uh, Will Carroll on last week, and he talked about that he would have thought the Nats would move Rendon to like left field instead of trying to play him at middle infield. Uh, thoughts on that? Is that an actual? I know the Nats aren't leaning that way, but I mean. It, could he actually play there? He could play there. Um, he wouldn't be as much of a asset, I guess. Like his, I mean, his bat is going to play where all across the field. He's a good enough natural hitter. He he doesn't really have the the pop that you want if you really want to be like a you know stud all star or if you want to be like a stud playoffs every year team out of your left fielder. That's what you want, like a Michael Morris. But you know, he'll hit 20 home runs. He'll hit you know 300 or better. I just think that if the Nats maximize his value which they really want to do. He's either going to be a sub third baseman and they'll move Zimmerman to first, which I don't think they'll do in the next, until at least three or four years down the road, or they'll try to stick him at second for better or for worse. I don't think it's that bad of an injury concern for him. Second base is taxing more taxing than third, but it's not, it's not shortstop. It's not, you know, to be honest, you put him in left field and he really has to run all over the place and maybe run into walls and stuff that could end up being a worse injury concern than second. You never know. Uh, true story. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be a year, maybe two years before he's ready to come up, and they'll just see what position they have open. Yeah. yeah. And just say, all right, you go here now. He's got versatility. I mean, he played he played all over the infield at Rice. He's playing what second and short a little bit in spring training. I wouldn't be surprised to see him put put him in the outfield, but you know, you already got Harper and Morse are going to be up there. Yeah, maybe he'll go to left. So, but I mean, it's a good again. It's a good problem to have when you have a stud player. Hey, where do we play this awesome top prospect guy? Well, you play him anywhere. <laughs> you play him where there's a spot. <laughs> hey, Mister Rendon, you want to strap on catcher's gear? Ramos doesn't feel well today. <laughs> I mean, it's it, you look at it, and we talked about this last week with Nate McLeod when they had Andrew McCutcheon ready. There's, you know, Nate McLeod's a fine player, but see ya, Andrew yeah. McCutcheon's up. Yep. And that may happen to a guy like Espinosa or, mm-hmm. or you know Lombardozzi or whoever's. Happens to be at second more. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with that. I mean, Morse signed a two-year deal. You don't know what they're planning on doing with the outfield long term. Two years isn't really that that long. I mean, yeah. uh, and, you know, the thing about Espinosa and Desmond, I, I love Espinosa and I love Desmond. You know, I think they're a fun infield to watch, but they're not superstars. But they're not Neither superstars. I mean, but, uh, I mean, their jobs really aren't secure yet. I mean, Espinosa can't really – can't just regularly get on base. He hasn't proven that he can yet. I'm not saying he won't. Uh, Ian Desmond hasn't shown that he can be an all-around player just yet. I'm not saying he can't. He won't, but he hasn't. You know, will these things happen? They might. At which point, you still have a good problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we're saying this a lot. It's a good problem to have. I mean, when was the last? You know, last time we were able to say it as much. You know, nice to have. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that we were ever able. Yeah, to that's that. my point. <laughs> you know. The Nationals played the Braves last night. Yep. And it was the Braves' second win of the preseason, of the spring training. The Braves have had kind of a lot of issues. Tim Hudson isn't going to start the season. 
to Heron and uh, Chipper Jones. Well, the, I was thinking of the other pitching prospect. Yeah. No, the oh. the um, the other young one Minor. that they got from the Yankees for uh, when they also got Melky Carrera for the for the. Um, well, I know you're talking about Aroldis. Not if he gives with an A. <laughs> that guy. A- yeah, you can't be expected to know every prospect on every team. <laughs> but you know, but uh, you know that that other young guy they have. Neither Teheran or that guy have looked real good. And I think the Braves, out of all the teams ahead of the Nationals, that people put ahead of the Nationals, including the Marlins, are the most vulnerable. And I'm not sure the Marlins aren't that vulnerable either. Yeah, they got Ozzie Charles Zambrano. How long is it going to take? That's a volatile I mean, and Josh got... Johnson, is he really 100% healthy? Can Nolasco yeah. really be defended on? No. That's the. Is the Giancarlo going to hurt himself again? <laughs> Giancarlo. Yeah. Can we please just call him Mike? And <laughs> can Logan Morrison actually not be a statue in the outfield? And who the heck is going to play center field for him? I think they're just going to have that big home run sign play center field for them. Oh, that's, good. that's a good. Oh. That's horrible. They have a lime green outfield wall. <laughs> There's just so many bad There's things. There's so many things that about that park that is just unfortunate. It's like somebody just started taking acid and making decisions. You know what it really needs? You know what it really it needs a flagpole and a hill in the outfield. <laughs> oh, it'll be like uh, Houston. Yeah, Houston is until now the worst park in the majors. I think that might be passed this year. Wait, I like the choo-choo? Well, yeah. we, we, talked, we were talking about this at one point in time. The, at, uh, when, you, when you watch uh, any team play a game at the stadium of many names, we'll call it Sun Life because I think that's the last name it had. It, it was. You saw a lot of strikeouts. Yes. And it was, it, I, do we think that's going to be the same case there? And that's, you can I have think. that monstrosity and a lime green outfield wall. <laughs> How can you have a lime green outfield wall and not expect the batters to be distracted by it? Well, if uh, if the opposing team is in their road grays, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think the opposing team should wear, I mean, green. It's green. So you could actually put special effects on it on TV. <laughs> Maybe that's why they did it. So, like, you'll see, like, like robots attacking the other team. Well, do anything to make a buck. Well, you can, you can change well, we the don't actually. Yeah. We, haven't, we haven't seen what that outfield creation is capable of yet. It might just do that. It might be controlled by Skynet, is what you're saying? I think it is controlled by Skynet. Autobot. <laughs> All right, uh, back to back to steering this. <laughs> Obviously, some people in this room are very emotional about the new Marlins Stadium, now, the uh, fish tank, as we'll call it. Uh, moving, moving back to uh, the prospect side, and actually moving on to a favorite prospect of mine, Matt Perk. Matt Perk. What do you uh, What do you got? I get, I got really excited when they drafted him. I was uh, I was a substitute teacher at the time. I was during one of my off periods and I was sort of, you know, just watching the draft, seeing who the who the NASA would take and he popped up and I was like, Hmm I mean, to be honest, he's a guy it's it's a great risk to take, you know. You know, at the time they didn't know if he would sign, they would still would have gotten the third round supplemental pick if he hadn't signed. You know, the worst case scenario with him is that he's an injury bust and you wasted money on him. The best case scenario with him, he could be a top of the line starter acquired for using a third round pick for, you know, not that bad money and, you know, major league roster spot. I think he's he's a little further away from the majors than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Um, I'd really hate to see them sort of rush him up like like we did with Detweiler. Um, I mean, he's he's a little more polished, I think, and he's got great stuff, but 
I think I really think they should take their time on him. You know, spend some time, have him spend some time in the minors, work on his mechanics, and just make sure he doesn't throw too many innings and get himself hurt again. Mm-hmm. Now, where is he as far as <clears throat> where he was before he was hurt? Uh, when we when we talked to Carroll last week, um, I brought up that his stuff was back at you know ninety one, ninety two, and mm-hmm. you know I kind of got excited and. He made sure to tell me that, no, that was not right, that he was a high 90s guy and 91, 92 wasn't quite where he needed to be. Well, I don't, I don't, you know, does he actually have to go back to high 90s? Well, it's just, just like Strasburg, yeah. Does Strasburg yeah. have to go back to throwing 102 miles an hour? No, he could throw. He did it yesterday. Well, yeah. Just, just <laughs> yeah. <saying. laughs> but I mean, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing for him to be throwing not as fast. Although if he's used to be throwing 95, 96, now he's 91, 92. Yeah, that's a lot different. Like, especially, you know, when you get to the lower 90s, that's when you have to start wondering, will his stuff be enough? But, I mean, you know, once the arm, like, I read an article today, you know, a lot of these pitchers, they're like, hey, this guy's velocity is way down. And the pitcher just responds, well, it's spring training. Yeah. I mean, once he gets into the groove of things and starts pitching, that's when we can really see if it's a big deal or if it's just if it's just spring training. And, and you know, on that point, you know, uh, Roy Halladay made a start yesterday. A lot of people are making us think, oh, is his fastball was at 89. I, I I mean, is anyone in this room really worried about Roy Halladay? No one is. And, yeah. and I know a lot of Phillies fans freaked out. They said, you know, well, maybe we should trade to the Nationals for one of their pitchers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, people were like, we, we don't want to give up our young players. And like, I give up Jordan Zimmerman for the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. And they're like, well, you might now, but what about three or four years down the road? I'm like, three or four years, Jordan That's Zimmerman won't be a National League? Yeah. It's one of his contracts up, too. So... I mean, Roy Holiday is he's pretty good, and I don't think even at 89, I think Roy Holiday could figure out how to get people. Out. I'm pretty sure, and I mean, they they asked him. He said, "Oh, I was working on my changeup." I mean, that's he what was you just do in I mean, come on, Roy Holiday. So think about it. I I didn't actually see him pitch, but let, let's pretend for a moment that he was throwing an 89 mile an hour changeup, and that's all he was throwing. Well, I mean, that made, I mean, was, and he did two and two and two thirds innings. There was a spring training game a number of years ago where Greg Maddox, right after he signed with the Cubs, he, he had a pretty poor spring training start, and they asked him what was wrong. He said, "Well, you know, I felt a little weird with my grip for my changeup, so I've changed it to a circle change grip, and I've just threw that the entire game." I think about what? He's like, I won't do it in the regular season, but it's spring training. What does it matter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter at all. I mean, you you watch any of these games, and really, let's just face it, we're just happy to be watching baseball. Yeah, I don't think Roy <laughs> Holiday is, is really fighting for a spot. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. Joe Blanton might beat him out. <laughs> I'm paying him another might as well give him a spot. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, when we go back to, yeah, it's just spring training, that's sort of why I didn't get all that excited about Yuri Perez. I know a lot of people did, but it's spring training. You're facing a lot of guys that are borderline, and anybody can get a luck streak together. And I know that you know Yuri Perez is a good prospect. You know he could stand to take a couple more walks. You know, not even just sit there and watch, but you know when he's taking less than 20 walks a year and entire. I think he needs season. to just get on base. Yeah, exactly. And you know, unless he's hitting 320. It's yeah. not going to be good enough to be a leadoff guy, and that's sort of what you want out of a guy like that because he doesn't bring power to the table. I just remember there was a big debate a couple of years ago that when Carlos Gonzalez was fighting for the Triple Crown, and they were saying, well, he doesn't take enough walks. He had a 400-something on base percentage yeah. because he was hitting 357. Yeah, if you can hit 350, you don't have to take any walks, but no. if you can't hit 350, then yeah. you, know, you got to do something. You just need to get on base. It doesn't yeah. matter how you do it, just do it. Yeah. 
Now, speaking of Perez, um, if he, if spring training is any, um, you know, precursor to what he may do during the season, I'm not talking about hitting 400, but I mean, if he hits at a, you know, a 290 clip or something, how quickly do you see him moving through the organization? Not necessarily coming up to the big club, but moving off of that A spot. I'd say he'll he'll move up. Um, he'll move up as fast as he can start learning to take walks, and not not in the sense that he really just has to stop swinging the bat. But you know, once he gets to Triple A and in one day the majors, those pitchers study the hitters more. You know, he's not facing guys that have never seen him before. Have never will never see him again. Don't care. You know, these guys once they see his weaknesses, will eat him alive. And that's the issue is, you know, he's, he's facing unfamiliar pitchers, and it's a lot easier to go sit down and study a pitcher than it is to study all the batters on one team's spring training lineup. So, I mean, I think he could end up, you know, double A, maybe triple A this year, and then maybe be a mid-year call up next year and be solid. But, you know, I'd still rather them play it slow with him. He's still really young. He's still really raw. And, you know, he's got speed and he's got, you know, quick hands. But still still want to see some more play discipline. What about the guys right behind him in the minors? Michael Taylor and Brian Godwin. I I really like I really like Goodwin. Um, he's got you know five tool potential. I don't know if he'll be, get quite there with the power or even quite there with the bat. You know batting average and stuff. But he'll be. I've I've heard a lot of Mike Cameron about him. I would I mean obviously I would be ecstatic if that happened. But I think that he's a pretty good bet to be a solid major leaguer. You know he's still so far away, but you know it's a pretty good bet. Michael Taylor is somebody that I was previously pretty low on. I've grown a lot on of him the last year. Um, you know, he did power surge this year. Play discipline got better. He's already a pretty pretty solid defender, and I think that as he gets, you know, gets older and his body matures more, he'll grow into even more power. I think he can really be a stud, but he's still he's still really far away in terms of development. I think I think that the good win is at least. You know, having faced college pitching and junior, well, and back to junior college this year, and then I think he'll be sort of on a faster track to get to the big leagues. So, you know, we're looking at the national center field right now. It's Rick Ankiel, probably. <laughs> maybe Bernardina, maybe worse, but there's a big hole in the major leagues. But then you look in the minors, and right at the top, you got Corey Brown, really nobody in double A. Yeah. And then at single and low A, there's this sort of log jam that's going to be coming along. So it looks like the Nationals could, by the end of the season, have some center field depth when really they, you look at it and they almost have nothing. I've asked you this question a hundred times, David. You've answered it a hundred times, and I'm asking you to answer it for me again. The double A center fielder that was taken from us in the Rule 5 draft. That was uh, Kamatsu. Kamatsu. Yeah. I like him. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he was in Double A for. And I think he'll come back. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I so think we'll I, get Myers back too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we do actually have somebody who might be gunning for a spot in Double A. Yeah. So I mean, you know. And he was a high we, on base percentage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like. I know uh, some people have thrown around Gerardo Parra, Geraldo Parra from the Diamondbacks as a trade candidate. Right. Um, to get, I kind of see Kamatsu can turn into somebody like that. Maybe not quite as good all around, but he's, he gets on base. He's a passable outfielder. He's not, he's not going to be a awesome center fielder, but he'll, he wouldn't be any worse than Jason worth. I don't think. And and I don't say, I don't think that Jason worth is going to be like God awful, but right. you know, well, he'll be average. I, I made the joke last year watching Jason worth play center field. I was like, wow, 
Jason Worth plays an adequate center field. Yeah. And that's more than the Nationals have ever had. Yeah, and it's good <laughs> enough, but yeah. he probably plays center field at least as good as Brad Wilkerson. <laughs> I, I mean, he probably, you know, but well, it, it's going back to the Diamondbacks and talking about the trade for Gerardo Parra. What could the Nationals trade the Diamondbacks? The Diamondbacks rotation is it's pretty full. Yeah, they don't want Landon there. They have they yeah. have Saunders. They have right. Saunders as their fifth starter. They have, you know, they're and then they have, you know, Bauer and another guy they just drafted that are pretty good. Yeah. And then they have Justin Upton, Upton in the outfield. They have um, Chris Young in the outfield. They have the guy from the Twins that they just got. Yeah. Kubel, Jason Kubel. Yeah. At first base they have uh, Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. At, at 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 short they have um, Stephen Drew. Drew. At third they have Tattoo Guy. At catcher they have a pretty good catcher. And who's their second baseman? Now? I can't ever remember that. One. That might be Kelly the position. That, no, mean, Kelly. Yeah. No, Kelly. Or Aaron Hill. Aaron Hill. Aaron Hill. Aaron Hill. Yes. Well, you know that might be where they trade. It would be like Lombardozzi and prospects. For and somebody, it was brought up recently about trading Ian Desmond to the Diamondbacks. Somebody brought it up, and what? I thought what? that's what I thought. But somebody, you know, it, they have Stephen Drew. I know Stephen Drew's injured, but he's a I mean, free agent after the year, I think. Stephen Drew is. Yeah, I, he's close to it at least. But year do you two. think the Diamondbacks would take Ian Desmond for Gerardo Parr? No. That's do you not, think they would not. take Danny Espinosa? Yes. I don't think we would give Danny Espinosa, but I think they would definitely take him. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's thought yeah. out loud because you know nobody's yeah. job is. Safe I mean, any trade can be made. If it was right, I think for Danny Espinosa, it might have to be Gerardo Parra and. Right. Yeah. No, it'd be like some prospects or something yeah. like that. It wouldn't have to be much of a problem. Right. I mean, Pete, you know, player to be named later. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you. you if they have an outfielder we really want. Yeah. Mike Rizzo says all the time, everybody has a price. Yeah. Right. I mean, if that was the price, I mean, you're talking about an established major leaguer for a guy who's... But I think unless someone like Lombardozzi or Rendon are ready to step into the spot, you don't right. trade Ian Desmond or, or, or Danny Espinosa. You, 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 you don't make another hole by... Yeah. Yes, yes. No, I agree. And, uh, I mean, that... I mean. And that just kind of gets my wheel, the wheel turning my head a little bit. It's like, I mean, how do we that this year Steve Lombardozzi doesn't show what he's got, and suddenly Mike Rizzo's got a got an idea, you know? I mean, trades can be made all the way up until July 31st. Right. You don't have to worry now. And, and, and I mean, you know, like I said earlier, I think Steve Lombardozzi makes the team out of spring training as a utility role. Probably. He, they, I mean, he gave the he gave the standard answer. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. I just want to say, you yeah, know, and, that's, be on, just, and that's, that's what you're supposed to say, you know? Yeah. And people worry about, well, he needs to play every day. Well, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, to, but the team, know. the major league team needs him to sit on the bench and, you know, yeah. spot he, start. He, he's now, gonna, he'll get it. He'll take any role. He'll take any role. The Nationals are at a position now where it's more important to have a good major league team than a good minor league team. Right. And it's not like Lombardozzi's already spent time, enough time in the minors. It's not like, he really, he, he's. I don't want to say he's already peaked, but he's not going to really physically get that much different. So, yeah. I mean, by playing every day, yeah, you get the repetition. But, but yeah. What I find interesting is you look at his numbers throughout the minor leagues, and they're pretty consistent. Yeah. And they're good. Yeah. Like I think at one point he had like a 360 on base yeah. percentage. Um, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And I'm just like, you know, 
we might be crazy not to give him a shot yeah. <laughs> at least. I mean, you know, I, yeah. he might not hit 40 home runs or something ridiculous like that. But I mean, if he's hitting doubles and you know, coming home and getting on base and getting slugged in, who cares? Yeah, the know? name that I really think about when I think of Lombardozzi, not just because it's 14 letters long or whatever, is Mark Redzelanek. <laughs> and Lombardozzi's, you know, a switch hitter, which makes him more valuable. I mean, Grudzlanek was never a world beater. He was never in the MVP race or whatever. He made, I think he made one all-star team. But, you know, a solid guy, you know, hits in the upper 200s, low 300s, get, you know, draws some walks, doesn't really strike out a lot, good contact guy, good number two hitter, you know, decent speed, isn't going to steal 50 bases, but at the same time he's not going to get thrown out like Nigel Morgan 30 times, 20 times, whatever. Another thing that stuck out with me um, with Lombardozzi is, he uh he's a good fielder. Yeah. I, I was I was trying to find a fault with his uh He's a solid <laughs> I was trying to find a fault. I, I don't know I mean uh, his range of uh, Well, right. I, I was trying to find a fault with his defense. I mean I you can't really find numbers like U Z R Right. Yeah. The guy I mean, he reminds me of is another guy that was never spectacular but was very solid and sometimes started and sometimes was a utility guy, Alex Cora. Right. Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of who he reminds me. As a downside, I mean, it's not it's not thirty-five-year-old Alex Cora doing nothing. I don't know. It's it's, it's the good Alex yeah, Cora exactly. before yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even even this last year, Alex Cora was pretty good in the field for us. In yeah. the field, yeah. in the field. That's who he just with the bat he was. But you know, you look at bringing a guy up and putting him on the bench and making him earn the spot at the majors. That's how it used to be done in baseball. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if that's if how Michael Morse did it. If Lou Gehrig was never on the bench when Wally Pitts got hurt, he would have never been Lou Gehrig. Yeah, and the interesting thing I think um, this goes all the way back to the roster spots. When we signed, when we got a uh, Jared Hoffpower to a non-roster invitee, I I thought that they would give him a little more of a look. You know, he hit pretty well in AAA last year, and just just to see, you know, if Lombardozzi, if he wa- if we want to send him down. Is this guy somebody that we can bring up and fill a hole? And I mean, you know, Hoffpower's not the answer. He's not a long-term piece. Right. He's 29 years old and isn't a major league player as it is. But you know, if he's going to give you similar productivity to Lombardozzi and let Lombardozzi develop a, a little more, it's an interesting theory. Yeah. I guess they that sort of is what made me think that they really believe in Lombardozzi that they got rid of him so quickly. Because I mean. Out of the guys we're talking about making the bench, you know, your Tracy's, your T Hens, even Mark DeRosa, you know, those guys, most of them are corner corner infielders, not mm-hmm. really second base types. And DeRosa, even though he can play second base, he's getting older, still not a, an optimal guy, you know. So it'll be interesting to see what, what they do with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we touched on him a bit already with Corey Brown. Um, good numbers offensively. Uh, he's been good in the field. Uh, Obviously, he's, he was sent to AAA uh, minor league camp recently. Um, do we think he's a September call-up, or maybe somebody I, gets hurt and he gets? I'd say he's before September. Think um, so. I think that given our options right now, if he can go in and hit for two months, which he hasn't done for us, he didn't do last year for us, although injuries, and he hadn't done the year before for Oakland. You know, if he can hit for a little bit, you know, a month or two, I think he can be up and be maybe even be our starting center fielder for a while. I mean, I think that he's a guy that Rizzo really likes. He was able to take him off the 40-man sort of luckily because he had injury concerns and had such a bad year last year. But I I was really concerned that he was going to get picked up on waivers by somebody. I'm I'm sort of surprised that he didn't. Hmm. But I think he's he's a favorite of the organization. And for that reason, I think he'll get as many chances as he can handle. That'd be exciting. I I would like to see – I mean – 
there's two guys I can think of that I think would be exciting to see at the major league level. One's Lomar Dozy, the other's Corey Brown. Um, I mean, and, and, you know, like somebody pointed out to me once, well, Corey Brown was horrible last year. He had three at-bats, and he didn't get a start in the field. <laughs> yeah. Steve Lombardozzi didn't have many at-bats either. And last year was last year. And last yeah. year was last year. And yeah. the one thing I really like about Brown that's probably stupid, um, I got, you know, I love my 2012 baseball perspectives, you know, handbook or whatever, go through it and see his three comparables at, at this age. Number one was Curtis Granderson. Number three is Brad Wilkerson. You know, if he's even if he turns into a Brad Wilkerson, you know, that's, that's good. Like, yeah. that's, you know – yeah, yeah, we gave up Willingham for Henry Rodriguez, who is a whole another huge podcast in his own. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Willingham kind of goes everywhere, though. Yeah. he's yeah. he's been everywhere. He'll probably keep going places. And he's what you well, call a journeyman. He's yeah. a journeyman. <laughs> he's a bit underrated, but he he's is still underrated. He's, I mean, he's I, underrated and overrated at the same time. Yeah, right? I mean, you, I, when he was here, I loved watching yeah. Josh Willingham hit. I mean, that game where he hits two grand slams is just amazing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's kind of pull this into uh, some final thoughts here before we uh, throw on the Chief interview. Uh, Matt, let's start with you, buddy. Uh, I think we talked about a lot of good stuff, a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, not really a whole lot more to talk about at this point. I mean, we could probably go on all night. but. <laughs> the, uh, Dave, what you got? I think I covered all my uh, bases for, for tonight and – See you next week, man. Yeah. <laughs> All righty, Sean. Any final thoughts? Classy. Classy. Let me give you. Let me give you a couple quick sleepers I got. Okay. Mm-hmm. Manny Rodriguez, right-hand pitcher, tenth-round pick, 2011, from I believe Bear University. Uh, converted from third baseman, already throwing mid 90s, decent secondary pitches. He's got a lot of room to grow. He's not walking too many guys, which is really surprising from somebody that hasn't really pitched. I think he's really somebody to watch. Maybe not this year, but in the next two years, seeing how he develops, he could really develop into something special. I also really like uh, Billy Burns. He was 30, 32nd round pick, I think, uh, but he signed for 150000 so far over slot, center fielder. He's sort of like an outfield version of Lombardozzi. He's not incredibly special, but he's he's quick, good defense, gets on base, kind of like a Kamatsu type, but I think he's a little, a little more range. Um and then two guys that weren't picks this year that I really like, uh, Rick Haig had big injury problems. I think he like broke his leg or something like the first week. I was at the game year. where he did that. Yeah, but he he can hit, and it, he's he's an awful, awful, awful fielder. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and he's at shortstop and third base, and it's like you know, back in the day, Michael Morse was at shortstop and third base and was not a good fielder there. But I mean, they, they stick him in the outfield, they stick him at first base. He's somebody that I think could really grow with the bat. You know, if he can stay stay healthy, he's somebody that can really rise this year. And the last guy, uh, Randolph, I guess it's Oduber, Oduber. He was, a, I think, 30-something round pick last year, JUCO player from uh, Texas. He's in Texas or Oklahoma. Whatever, we have one scout that's really got the ear out of, some, out of I guess, Rizzo that's sort of in that Midwestern, south Southern area. But he's got serious power and speed potential. As an all-around player, his defense is kind of lacking. He strikes out a lot. But, you know, to see somebody with really 30-30 that you get in the the 30th round, 30-30-30, 30 homers, 30 steals in the 30th round, you know, whatever we get out of him, he's at least exciting to watch for now. That's all I got. Good deal. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get this started, and uh, we'll be back on the other side.
Nats Town, we've got uh, former Nats closer Chad Cordero on the line. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's get started, Dave. Uh, well, there's been a lot of talk about the Nationals pitching this year, but uh, back in 2005, uh, the back end of the bullpen there was pretty strong. You had uh, yourself, Luis Ayala, Hector Carrasco, and uh, Gary Majeski. How do you think right. that group compares to the new group of uh, Drew Storen, uh, Tyler Clippard, Brad Lidge, and Henry Rodriguez? Well, I mean, at at the time, I mean, shoot, 05, I mean, we were considered a pretty young bullpen, aside from, I think, uh, Carrasco, who was, I think he was supposed to be about 32, but he's probably more like 40. But, um, <laughs> but, um, but so at the time, you know, we were real we young, and we were just coming up, and we were just, you know, trying to establish ourselves and stuff, and and we were just, um, you know, we just, we didn't, you know, we didn't really care who we were facing, you know, we just went after guys, and that, Looking at this bullpen for for the next this year, it looks like that's what they if they have you know they don't they don't care you know how young they are they just they go out there and just and do their job the best they can and uh, you know I think having some veterans you know like like Lidge in there who who's been around you know he's been closing you know he's been on the World Series team so he he has experience to, to kind of you know to to share with with Thorne and Clifford. I think it's you know a lot but in '05 you know we didn't really have have a whole lot of um, you know, a huge veteran presence aside from Carrasco, and that was it. You know, everyone else, I think, was only maybe two or three years in the Davies at the most. Uh, yeah, um, you know, that staff, uh, that whole pitching staff was pretty good. You mentioned, um, you know, Hector Carrasco's age. So uh, how old is LeVon? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think Levon. I think he. I think he is the age that he probably says he is. You know. I mean, he's. Uh, you know, he 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 may he may seem like he's you know like he's older, and chances are he he might be. But I mean, no getting to know him. I think he's. I think his age is pretty accurate. And uh, so, I mean, who knows? While we're on the topic of Levon. Uh, is he ever going to stop pitching? I mean, it, it seems like he could go for. Uh, he's going to turn out to be like a Jamie Moyer, where he's coming back at fifty, uh, giving it a yeah. go. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he just seems like he just kind of he gets a second, his second win every every year. You know, I mean, he, every year it kind of seems like he's he's going to be retiring after after that after this year or something. But he can't. He ends up coming back and pitching next year. I think the only the only way going to keep him out is this. You know, as if he, his arm falls off or something like that. And the way he throws, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, here's a here's an equally important question: Are you actually the age you claim to be? <laughs> I think so. I hope so. My parents are lying to me when I said that. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you never know. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, you're throwing out the first pitch against the Mets in a game in July. Um, mm-hmm. Did the National? reach out to you for that or did you come to them no um i think what happened was andrew lang um who's the guy that i'm the man who's doing i'm doing the uh the camp with this summer um i think he just kind of happened to be sitting next to um i think it was uh, the, the team president i think it was at, at the caps game i think and they just started talking and i, and I think um i think andrew kind of just mentioned it like just kind of like like a friendly like you know kind of like conversation and stuff and he got a call the next day from um, from the team president and asked if I was interested to do that. So I mean, once that that's basically how it happened. And then and then they, so Andrew called me 
and asked if I would do it. And I was like, heck yeah, I would, I would love, love, I would love to do that. You know, I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to go back to, uh, to DC since I cleared out my locker, um, after, after I got hurt. So, you know, um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun for me to be able to be able to, to, to go back there and throw out the first pitch, of, you know, of a big league ball game. That's, you know, that's, that's something pretty special. And I think it's going to be more nerve wracking to do that than it ever was to close the game against the Braves. So, I mean, it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> now I know, uh, I know your leaving was uh, particularly bitter for the fans. You were, you were a big fan favorite here. Um, and it wasn't exactly done in, in, in the best way, uh, the most, I don't know, the best way as far as what you had already done for the, for the club, for them to, right. to kind of treat you like that. How was that for you? Um, it was hard. I mean, I knew, I knew, I, I understood the business part of the side of it, you know, I mean, baseball is as much as it is a game. It's, it's also mostly a business part, you know? So I understood that. So if I just wish I didn't have to find out over the, you know, the way I did, you know, I think, my uh, my dad kind of got a call from his from his friend out in DC who told he told him he told my dad that and he, he listened to the radio and Bowden just announced it and stuff. But I think the way it happened was you know it's probably just you know it's probably just a, a question that that whoever was doing the interview asked Jim and 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 Jim answered it honestly you know and so you, know, you can't really fault him for that you know I mean I, at the time you know I, I was upset you know how how it was handled but you know I th- I think you know Jim you know when when he answered it, he just answered it honestly you know and so I you know. Looking back, you know, I, you know, I probably, you know, I wish I could have found out a different way, but, you know, it's just baseball sometimes, and you know, I have, I'm, I held, you know, I have no bitter feelings towards Jim at all, you know, I mean, that, that, that was, uh, you know, it happened, it, you know, and it's unfortunate the way, the way it went down, but you know, that's the way it works sometimes, and, uh, you know, I wish, you know, I wish I can go, I was able to, to, you know, play my whole career, you know, I, I was having a whole lot of fun, you know, the, the fans were great, I was, you know, I was. You know, my career was was going pretty well, but you know, once I got hurt, you know, it was just kind of, uh, you know, kind of just went downhill and stuff. But I mean, the way it went down, you know, yeah, I w- you know, I wish it would have handled been handled differently. But you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not ahead of Jim, and I can't, I can't fault him for answering answering the question honestly. So you know, I have no bitter feelings at all towards anybody. Uh, back to the 2005 season, uh, there was a game out in Anaheim where. Uh, Frank Robinson and Mike Sosha almost got into it over Brennan Donnelly having a foreign substance on his glove. What was it like, you know, being a part of that game? It was, I mean, it was intense. I mean, that, you know, at that time, both teams were, you know, we were both playing pretty well. I think we were just coming off that, that 10 game winning streak that we had and I think it was snapped the first game of that series, you know? And so, and I think the angels I think at the time were either in first or second place out in the AL West and stuff. And, you know, I and mean, tensions tensions were high because you know this. I think this was the first time Jose Guillen had had uh, had been back to Anaheim since since his uh, you know um, since he left um, and and the way that he left, we you know he he didn't leave in the in the best uh, in, in the best of circumstances. And and so when he came back, everybody knew you know um, it would kind of be um, a little intense, basically. You know, just because you know, I think a lot of a lot of fans and a lot of maybe people on the team, Allison, um, you know, had some bitter feelings towards him. So, you know, and then when that all went down, you know, a lot of blame got got put on put on, on Jose, whether he deserved it or not. You know, so, um, but it was, you know, I, I actually kind of thought it was kind of fun to, to be a part of it. You know, and uh, I never been a part of something like that was that so intense. You know, where, you know, where two managers were, where they honestly, if, if, if 
if guys were holding them back, they probably would have fought. And I'm pretty sure Frank probably would have won. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Frank was a fairly intense uh, individual. He does have his yeah. twelve minutes or twelve second staring contest with Jim Wolf and all that. <laughs> uh, what was it like playing under Frank Mon- Frank Robinson? I, I loved it. You know, I mean, I think I'll, some some guys, you know, I think um, weren't used to it. You know, because he he wanted he wanted things done the way he, the way he used to play. You know, I mean, he he was known. For, for being one of the hardest, you know, hardest workers and one of the toughest players, you know, ever, ever in the game. You know, if, if he got if he got hit when he was hit batting, then chances are he was going to take out that 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 second baseman on, on a double play and any chance that he any chance that he took. And that's just the way, you know, he wanted guys to be played. He wanted guys to be playing hard. You know, and sometimes, you know, I think some guys you know maybe not go as hard as he wanted to. You know, maybe not give a hundred percent and. And so, you know, they would kind of, you know, butt heads a little bit. But, I mean, for the most part, I think everybody loved him. I mean, I playing any chance, anytime, you, ha- I, you know, you have a chance to play under a Hall of Fame manager, you know, I, it's, it's something you just can't, you know, you can't even, I never thought I would have been able to do that. And, and to be able to play in the Frank, I mean, he taught me so much. I mean, he's the one, he's the one who gave me the, uh, my first chance to, to close and, and my first chance to, to be a big leaguer. You know, he, he trusted me, you know, when he, when I got my first save in Montreal, I mean, I was only like three or four months out of, out of college, you know? And so for him to have that kind of a, that much trust and, you know, and in a, in a, uh, in a 21, yeah, 21 year old kid, you know, that's, that, that's, that's, that's pretty cool, you know? And so I loved it. You know, he always treated me fairly, you know, I, I think I gave him a couple heart attacks, you know, every once in a while on the ninth <laughs> inning, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I wish I, I wish I didn't do that, but you know, but he trusted me, you know, and he stuck, he stuck with me when I, when I was going through hard times, you know, when I was battling through, you know, through bone, consecutive bone saves or something like that, you know, he, he just stuck with me and, and, and never lost faith. And so I, you know, I, I will, all my career, I, I, I would him. That's the nature of the ninth inning for you. Always getting the heart attacks. <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, I, you know, I, I had a tendency to, to get the first two guys out and blow the faces, you know, and, and get out of something. So. <laughs> well, I have a little bit of a question for you. Um, yeah. Kind of shifting gears a little bit. I know, uh, I'm, I'm sure you well, you know pretty well Drew Storen, uh, the Nationals' new young closer. And uh, right. my understanding is, is he's a pretty big fan of yours. Um, so I, uh, I happened to come across that somebody else had noticed. I can't even take credit for noticing it myself. You had a little trick where you would throw the ball onto your cap and balance it. Just out of curiosity, were you the one who taught that to Drew Storen? Um, you know, I, I kind of, for, I kind of forgot that I used to do that. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I think, I think I remember seeing that, that picture of, of me doing that. I think I, and I saw another I think someone had like a side by side comparison of, of the two of us doing it. And so mm. I'm like, huh, that's kind of weird. I kind of totally forgot that I ever did that. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I think it was just, I think it's just one of those things, you know, as bullpen guys, you know, you just try to figure out some, some way to, you know, to, to stay sane out there, you know, cause it gets kind of boring in the bullpen just sitting there. Cause there's only what six or seven guys out there and you're out there for like right. three hours, three hours a night. A lot of times, you know, just sitting there doing absolutely nothing. So you're just trying to find time, find ways to, you know, just to kill a time, you know? So I think it's just one of those things where, you know, closes probably, they probably, we all probably think alike, you know? So have, have you had a, have you actually had a chance to meet Drew Storen? Um, you know what? The only time I've ever met him was when he was the bad boy for us. And when, when we were <laughs> playing in Montreal, 
Yeah. You know, and and I I remember seeing that story. I never I never realized that was him until until I saw that story, and then oh, really? and then once I read it, you know, it it, it clicked, and I I remember I remembered his name. I I remember we talked. I think it was the entire uh, the entire batting practice out, and I think it was right center because we were playing in uh, Cincinnati at the time. And, you know, he was just standing all by himself. And that's why I walked over him, introduced myself, and started talking to him. So, I think that was the, only, that was the first time that I ever met him and stuff. So, but, I mean, he was, he was a really nice kid. Really, you know, wanted to know a, whole, a, lot, a lot about the game, asked a bunch of questions. And, you know, I tried I try my best to answer him and stuff. So, I mean, he, it, but he has, you know, even at that time, he had, he had a really good head on his shoulders. You know, he was, I think he was probably only... He was probably like 14 or 15 years old at the time, and you know, he he knew exactly what what he wanted to do. So, you know, I, I think I think from there on, he just kind of you know worked hard. I think hopefully, you know, I like to think that motivated him. But probably, I probably get it. But, um, <laughs> you know, but um, but he, I mean, he was a real good kid. But that was yeah, that was the only time I ever met him. Right. Interesting. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting to see because uh, you know, you you look at Drew Storm. He he wears the the bill on his cap flat, and you know. Uh-huh. He's a closing pitcher for the Washington Nationals since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he's. I mean he's done. He's done a really good job. You know, I mean he. He's. You know, I, I remember you know reading all you know reading all the stuff last year where, he, where they weren't even sure if he was going to you know make the team in spring training and yeah. he didn't even know if he was going to be the closer. You know, so yeah, he had, um, he had a rough spring. Yeah, you know, but that's that. You know, that just goes to show that sometimes spring, you know, spring training is kind of overrated sometimes. You know, yeah. especially with guys, you know, because a lot of times, you know, you're facing you're facing you know young minor leaguers who are trying to trying to you know impress impress the coaching staff and stuff. So they're going to go out there and everything. A lot of times, that's just not you know big leaguers have a, you know they have a tough time when they go down those A ball games to face those A ball hitters because those guys play everything. So you, you may come back. You know, you may think he had a good outing, but he come back and go eight runs in, in one inning and stuff, and it's all it's all because you might have only thrown maybe ten pitches, and yeah, he went up ten pitches or something. Yeah, so, you know, it's just one of those things where you know you just kind of you, you, last year. You know, I think I think they did it right. You know, they didn't, they didn't really pay too much attention in, in the spring training numbers and do you know just went a lot upon what his ability is and his ability is. He's a pretty good. He's a pretty good darn good darn good closer. So yeah. you know, I think he's been good for a long time. Yeah, he picked up quite a few saves for us this last year. He's <laughs> a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I mean, yeah. you you look back at spring training and you're you're thinking that almost seems like it was a lifetime ago when he was struggling back then. Right. Yeah, I mean, your guys guys go guys go through struggles, you know, in spring training, you know, because you're you're just trying you're trying to get your your arm into shape and you know some you know. It's, you know, so it's the first time. A lot of times, it's your first time. You know, see, seeing live hitters and stuff. So, you know, you know, just just like you know, hitters are trying to get their getting their timing down. You know, pitchers they're trying to do the same thing. And, yeah. And sometimes, you know, you just get up a lot of runs, and sometimes you don't. So. Well, I, I thought what was kind of interesting was uh, there's a lot of talk about his throwing motion. He actually had a leg kick he was using. And then he, uh-huh. he went away from that at the, I believe it was Jason Worth and Matt Stairs who told him go back to that, that kind of goofy-looking slide step that he's got. Right, yeah. He's, he's been doing that. And uh-huh. I remember reading somewhere that they said he'll, he'll lose a little bit of his power. But you look at the radar right. gun, he's throwing still throwing 95. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of times, you know, it's just, you know, people thinking that, you know, that they know – 
you know, that they know what's going inside, you know, someone said that, you know, or they, they think, you know, what's, you know, what someone else's body is going to do by changing something. And a lot of times, you know, it's just, yeah, just God given ability where he's going to be able to throw hard no matter what he does, you know? So, yeah, I mean, um, you, you look at some guys, they don't, all they do is move their upper body and they're throwing 90 miles an hour. Yeah, so. Exactly. And that's, that's just, that's just God given talent right there. You know, yeah. some guys are blessed with, you know, arms that are able to throw 95 plus, and some guys are blessed with arms that want to throw 88, 89. You know, it's just one of those things where you just don't know why. Now, uh, kind of moving back um, with the whole uh, you throwing out the first pitch this year and that kind of thing, and uh, you said it was actually uh, someone else who kind of got the Nats involved. Had the Nats reached out to you in any other way to um, to kind of get you involved? I know uh, there are a lot of fans around here who are uh, – really really want the team to embrace their history even as little of it as there uh, is um have they reached right. out to you at all in that regard um not yet i mean i've, I've, I've talked to um to Mark a couple times um like he's his uh the learner firm is donating um money for uh for a charity that I'm, I'm putting on in, um, in my in memory of my daughter so um i talked to him a couple times and he's, he's actually invited me to go you know, sit with him um, in their suite when they go to LA and and San Diego. So, you know, hopefully I'm able, you know, able to do that. You know, as long as, as long as my schedule, you know, is, is clear and stuff. But um, they haven't really reached out to me, you know, to you know take part in anything, you know, back in DC, you know, to, like, um, you know, as far as you know, like um, embracing their history or something like that. But I mean, I would I would love to do something, you know, where, where they would just, you know have, you know some guys from like 05 team or 06 team come back, you know, and do like a little like a uh, fantasy camp or something like that. I think that'd be great. Yeah. I'd, uh, I'd be the first one to sign up for that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, uh, yeah. it would be, it'd be a lot of fun, you know, to be able to do, to, do, to be able to do something like that, you know? And so hope, hopefully one of these years, you know, um, they'll, they'll think of it. They'll think of it or else maybe some, someone could bring it up to them and maybe they'll, they'll like the idea, you know, enough to, 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 to do it. Uh, Cordero, um, I remember that you and uh, Brian Schneider had a little uh, post-game uh, ritual or a special handshake after you uh, recorded the save. Was it uh-huh. important to have that sort of chemistry there with your catcher when you were on the mound? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, he knew – a lot of times he knew what was on – from like if, if he knew that something wasn't working for me, he knew it before I even did. You know, so – and that, that's just, that just comes from – um, from working together so much, you know, I mean, that, you know, we, we were, I'd been with him, you know, since, since Montreal. So, you know, we, we, did, we had a couple of years, years to kind of figure each other out, you know, and a lot of times, you know, I would have my, say, say he wanted a slider. So I would have a slider group before he even put the fingers down, you know? And so we, you know, we were just, we were on the same page the most, for, you know, for the most part, I think I, re- I rarely ever shook him off and, 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 and when I did, he knew exactly what I wanted to throw. And so I think, you know, for, for a pitcher to be successful, he has to have a good relationship with his catcher. And, you know, if, if you, if you guys don't understand, you know, you know, each other, you know, it's going to be hard because, you know, if the catcher doesn't know, you know, doesn't know how his pitcher likes to pitch then he's not going to know what to put down in certain situations, you know? So, you know, I think that just comes from, from playing together. And, you know, I, I'm, I think, I think that, uh, 
you know, I don't even know how, how that, that handshake came apart. I, 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 you know, I, I think he thought of it. And he, I think he just wanted something like a tomahawk chalk or something, and then I hit him in the face or something. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so I just kind of took it one step forward. But, you know, I think that just comes from, you know, from playing with each other and getting to know each other, you know. It's just, you know, you, know, you can't do it just by, playing, just by playing with somebody. You know, you have to hang out with somebody off, off the field. And, you know, we, every once where, you know, we get a group of guys and, and go out to dinner or something like that. And stuff, and that's just how you know you get to know teammates because a lot of times you're with your teammates while you're with your family. You know, so you get to know them really well, and and that just goes for you know to, to help with that that chemistry when you're on the road. Now, um, it's it's definitely been a, a tough couple of years for you um, going back. It, it seems like uh, everything's kind of settled down for you. Uh, you're you're coaching <laughs> high school baseball out there now. Is uh, uh, is coaching what you want to get into or is there, I mean, what's, what's next on tap for, uh, for the chief here? Um, well, I mean, coaching definitely something like I, I would love to get into, um, once I officially retired and stuff. So this year I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm helping out my buddy with the high school team and, you know, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's, it's only, it's only going to be a one year thing because I'm planning on, I'll make it a comeback next year. You know, I just needed, you know, for me personally, I just needed, some time, you know, some time away from the game to be with my family and, and kind of clear my head, you know, with, with everything that's kind of, you know, gone on, you know, with, with, with my family and stuff, you know, I think that for me, the best thing to do, to, to do was, you know, to come home and, and, and just be with my wife and kids, you know? So, and it's worked out pretty good. Cause I mean, we just had, we just had um, our, our little boy uh, nine weeks ago. So, you know, being home, you know, with him and, and, and our older daughter, Riley, it's, you know, it's, it's been a blessing for me. You know, I mean, I'm getting my, myself in the, in, in the shape and stuff and using this time of coaching to be able to go out there and, and play catch with the kids, teach them how, you know, teach them the right, right way, uh, you know, uh, of how to play the game and stuff. And, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm planning on coming back. So ho- hopefully, you know, hopefully I can. So we'll see. No, that's, that's fantastic yeah, to hear. Well, cool if you're, if you're uh, speaking of a comeback, how's your shoulder feeling? The shoulder's actually feeling great, you know, um, it's been, it's been really good the last couple of years. I mean, just, I mean, last year, you know, when I was with Toronto and stuff, it just, you know, kind of took a step back. But that's it. I, I think that was just because of everything I'd gone through, you know, with, with my daughter and stuff. So, sure. but before that, I mean, when I was with Seattle, I mean, I think when I was actually up in the biggest, I think I was still like 88, 89, you know, touch 90 every once in a while. So it's feeling pretty good, you know, so I'm hoping, you know, this year and a half off I'm taking is, is, is going to help even more. Um, and hopefully I can get back to the 90, 91 that, that I used to be. So, um, that'd be, but yeah, it's not really good. That'd be really awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, Nat, I know Nats fans as a whole, uh, regardless of who you're yeah. playing for, uh, are rooting for you. Yeah. No matter where you land, even if it is Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Chad, we, uh, we really appreciate you coming on here with us and this is actually going to air, uh, this Thursday. So uh, okay. I'll shoot I'll shoot you the link on Twitter when we uh, when we put it up. All right, cool man, sounds good. All righty, thanks a lot. Good talking to you. All right, All right. bye. That was former Nationals closer Chad Cordero. You can follow him on Twitter at ChadCordero32. You can also follow Sean Hogan at SeanHoganVT. That's S-E-A-N. And as always, you can follow the show here at Sits of Natstown. Thanks once again to Creative House for the assistance with our logo. And that, Nats fans, is your citizens of Natstown for Thursday, March 15th. Until next week, we are ghosts.